This is the fourth week in our series that we've entitled The Unknowns, and we're looking at some of the lesser known or unknown people in the Bible. Now, for the first three weeks, we looked at some of the lesser known heroes in the Bible. Like we said, we might not be the next Moses, we might not be the next Paul, but we can still be a hero of the faith. I want you to hear me very clearly, church. You can be a hero of the faith to someone. It might be someone in your family, it might be someone at your office or at your school, but you can be their hero of the faith. Now, granted, no one may remember your name in 200 years, but that doesn't matter. All that matters is that you were faithful and allowed the Holy Spirit to use you. I truly believe that we are all called to be heroes of the faith, a hero to someone. And so if you missed any of those sermons in the first three weeks of the series, you can find a link to them on our website, gatheringatl.com. But today, I want to move from lesser-known heroes to look at a lesser-known villain. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel. That's in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel. I do want you to turn there. I know the passage is going to be on the screen up here in a moment. And so you're thinking, well, why do I got to turn my Bible? I'll just read it off the screen. I get it. But we need to be able to find our way around the Bible. So you either need to start bringing your Bible to church or you need to download the Bible app. If you have the Bible app, you need to pull the phone out of your pocket and open the Bible app. But I want you looking things up when we go to God's Word. So we're in 1 Samuel chapter 22. Again, that's in the Old Testament. And we're going to be looking at a guy by the name of Doeg the Edomite. Doeg the Edomite. He's in chapter 21 and 22 of 1 Samuel. Then he's the subject of one of David's psalms. And we'll look at that in a moment. But first, we're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 22. We're going to discover that while... Doeg appears to have been a strong or, or mighty man with a penchant for violence. We're going to discover that his most powerful weapon was his tongue. With his tongue, he would slander. And because of his slanderous tongue, people would die. Now, I would ask you to raise your hand if you love slander, but I know no one to raise their hand. All right? Or I'm afraid that one of you actually would raise your hand. Uh, so I'm not going to ask that. But, but I know we all love a little slander from time to time, right? And don't go clutching your pearls like you're offended by that. We all love a little slander. Or we all love a little gossip from time to time, right? I'm sure we don't see it as slander, but that's what it is, right? You know, when you get to the office, did you hear about Jenny? That stuff, right? Or... Have you heard what Tom did this weekend? That stuff, right? Slander is sharing content without the context, right? Slander is sharing the content without the context. What you're saying might be true, but without the content or the context, the facts take on a different meaning. See, slander is half-truths. We see this all over social media today every single day, right? We see it in our news media. We find it around the office water cooler. And so often we think it's completely innocent. But I want you to hear me today, church. Slander kills, whether you realize it or not. Doeg, his slander killed. So take a look at it with me in 1 Samuel chapter 22, starting in verse 9. It says, Then Doeg, the Edomite, who was standing there with Saul's men, spoke up. When I was at Nob, he said, 
I saw the son of Jesse talking to the priest. The son of Jesse is David. Talking to the priest, Ahimelech, son of uh, Ahitub. Ahimelech consulted the Lord for him. Then he gave him food and the sword of Goliath the Philistine. Siri wants to preach. Now, everything in that passage, everything that Doeg said in that passage is the truth. Every last word. The problem is, it's only half truth. Right? It's content without the context. That gets us in so much trouble, right? We're scrolling through Facebook or we're scrolling through Instagram and you see some great injustice and you get instantly angry and you start posting about how horrible that injustice was. But what you don't do is make sure you know the full story, right? While the facts you know might be true, if you knew the context, it would change everything. Think of it this way. You're, you're walking through the woods with, with some friends of yours, and all of a sudden, someone in your group goes, they look like a crazy person, right? All of a sudden, they just walk around, and all of a sudden, they look insane. And you could easily go back home and tell people, did you know Tom is crazy? It's true. We went hiking through the woods the other day, and out of nowhere, he started screaming and waving his arms in there. He's absolutely nuts. Now, what you're saying is true. He did wave his arms around. He did scream like a little girl. But it's not because he's crazy. It's because he walked through a spider web. Right? We've all been there. You walk through a spider web and you look insane. It's slander. Content without context. Doe's content was correct, but he left out the context. For the context, we need to flip back to, uh, one chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 21. 1 Samuel 21, starting in verse 1. It says, David went to the town of Nob to see Ahimelech, the priest. Ahimelech trembled when he saw him. Why are you alone, he asked. Why is no one with you? The king has sent me on a private matter, David said. He told me not to tell anyone why I'm here. I told my men uh, where to meet me later. Now, what is there to eat? Give me five loaves of bread or anything else you have. We don't have any regular bread, the priest replied, but there is the holy bread, which you can have if your men, if your young men have not slept with any women recently. Don't worry, David replied. I never allow my men to be with women when we're on, on, on a campaign. And since they stay clean even on ordinary trips, how much more on this one? Since there was no food available, the priest gave him the holy bread, the bread of the presence uh, that was placed before the Lord in the tabernacle. It had just been replaced that day with fresh bread. Now Doeg, the Edomite, Saul's chief herdsman, was there that day, having been detained before the Lord. David asked Ahimelech, do you have a spear or sword? The king's business was so urgent that I didn't even have time to grab a weapon. I only have the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the Valley of Elah, the priest replied. It is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. Take that if you want it, for there is nothing else here. There is nothing like it, David replied. Give it to me. Now, there is a lot happening here. It's important for us to understand the context. This takes place before David was king. And so the king at this time was King Saul. And King Saul didn't really care for David right now. King Saul wanted David dead. And so King Saul told his son Jonathan to take some of Saul's servants and, and go assassinate David. But Jonathan cared for David and told David to run. And so when David tells Ahimelech that he was sent on a secret mission by Saul, David 
was lying, right? There was no secret mission. There were only, and there were also no other men with David. David was all by himself. When David tells him like that his men would meet him later, he is lying. It's just David trying to survive. And in order for David to survive, he had to do a little lying. Now hear me, this is not permission to lie. It just proves that the great David was also very human, and he did what we all do, right? In order to save our hide, we lie sometimes, right? We get called into the boss's office, and we know we're as guilty as they come, but instead of telling the truth and dealing with the consequences, we lie like a rug, right? Whatever it takes to save ourselves, don't deny it, right? We're all human. Some of you have been there. You know, if it wasn't your boss, maybe it was a parent or a spouse you lied to, to save your hide, you lie. That's what David was doing. It's not right, but that's what he's doing. He's lying in order to survive. And he asked Ahimelech for two things. The first one was food and then weapons. Food and weapons. And Ahimelech was more than happy to help because for Ahimelech, he was not only help, uh, being faithful to King Saul, he's also helping the great David, right? The guy who killed Goliath. David was a legend. David was the man. And now Ahimelech was being asked to help not only King Saul, but the rock star known as David. Right? How could he say no to that? And really he couldn't, right? If, if, if what David said was true, and Ahimelech had sent him on a secret mission, and, uh, and uh, Saul had sent him on a secret mission, and Ahimelech had denied his help, Saul would have had him killed. And so Ahimelech, he did the right thing. Here was David on a secret mission for King Saul. He was asking for help. The only correct response was to help David. And so he gave him food. And he gave him the sword that David used to cut off Goliath's head. And watching this whole exchange was Doeg the Edomite. Doeg heard David's request. Doeg heard David's lies, whether he knew them to be lies or not. Doeg knew that Halimelech responded to David the way he did because Ahimelech had no reason to doubt David's story. He knew Ahimelech was helping David in order to be faithful to Saul. Doeg knew all of this. Doeg knew the context, but he only told Saul the content. Doeg threw Ahimelech under the bus on purpose. He knew he possessed powerful information, and he wielded it like a sword, the sword of slander. How many times have we encountered this in our own lives? Right? Maybe you can think of that person at your office who just cannot wait to start swinging the sword of slander around. Right? As soon as you walk in the door, he or she is just bending your, your ear. You'll never guess what Susan did. Guess what Larry did. Do you have this person in your office you try to avoid because you know they're going to try to just suck you in to the gossip? Or maybe you know the person who just can't uh, wait to get to the boss with any information they think will help them advance in the company, right? You see, there's a couple reasons I think Doeg did what he did. The first is I think Doeg was an ambitious man. Now, the Bible tells us that he was Saul's chief herdsman. Now, scholars are not 100% clear what a chief herdsman was. If we take it at face value then it might mean that Doeg was in charge of all of Saul's livestock. But this does not appear to be a common role in those days, so we aren't sure uh, if that's what Doeg did or not. But the word for chief can also be translated as mighty or obstinate. 
And so maybe we're, we're being given some insight into his personality, right? Maybe he was mighty, strong in some way, and maybe he was stubborn. But no matter how, how we translate the word, it's clear that Doeg, he had access to the king. All right? And as, as, as human nature goes, when you're that close to a king, you, you, you kind of want to get closer, right? And you want to kind of advance, right? It's, it's human nature to kind of want to advance our career. We want the promotion. We want the raise. We want the attention. And sometimes we will do whatever it takes to get it, right? If we need to bend the truth just a little bit, well, it's worth it, right? If i got to throw someone else under the bus in order to get where I want to go, then it's worth it. If i got to step on someone as I climb the, the ladder of success, then, then yeah, it's worth it. It's just, that's what success is, right? So maybe he was an ambitious man. Second reason he may have done it is he, it protected Doeg. It protected himself. In chapter 22, Saul was ticked off, right? Saul had found out that his own son, Jonathan, had conspired against him, right, when he told David to run. And then Saul learned that David had returned to Judah. Saul could not understand how in the world David was still alive. And the only thing he could come up with is it had to be a conspiracy. Surely David had bought off a bunch of Saul's officers and priests. That's why he was alive. It was a great conspiracy. In chapter 22, we see that Doeg was present as Saul was exploding over the fact that David was still alive. Doeg stood there, and he watched Saul shout at all the officers and accuse them of treason. And maybe Doeg was trying to think of anything that might save him, and he had the perfect thing. He had some information that no one else had, and if he told it in just the right way, then Saul's anger would be off of all of these guys and back on David and Ahimelech. That's when Doeg shared the content without the context. You know, Saul, I was in the temple when David and Ahimelech talked. I mean, Ahimelech prayed for David, fed him, he armed him. I mean, so if I were you, I would go talk to Ahimelech. I, I, look, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but I'm just telling you what I saw. Right? It's content without context. We all know a Doeg. Doeg was covering his rear end. He didn't want Saul's eye on him. Doeg was feeling the heat. And so he shared content without context on purpose. Some of you had to deal with a Doeg before, right? That person will throw anyone under the bus if it will help. That person will bend the truth in order to help themselves. Now we all know the phenomenon that we call keeping up with the Joneses, right? We're all guilty of this in one way or the other. We know we're not supposed to compete with our neighbors, but we do, all right? They get a new lawnmower, that means we gotta get an even newer and nicer lawnmower, right? If they drive a sixty dollars to $70,000 car, never mind that we barely pay the bills, we're gonna drive a $70,000 car, right? They show us their new fancy purse, now we gotta have a new fancy purse, right? We all do this in one way or, the, or another, right? We all try to keep up with the Joneses. That's one phenomenon that I see in this area. The other phenomenon that I see is something I call doe-egging. Doe-egging. Uh, I, I, I coined that term today. You can use it, you just have to give me credit. Uh, doe-egging. Doe-egging is the phenomenon where when someone begins to have just a little bit of success, the doe-eggs come out of the woodwork to bring them back down. Right? Someone gets a promotion at the office, and all the other folks start whispering behind their back. They start spreading uh, slander in order to, to bring them back down to earth. Whatever it takes, right? We will sh share any dirty laundry we know about. We will share any innuendo. We will share any half-truth. 
uh, all in the hopes of just bringing them back down to earth. I truly believe that innuendo is one of the nastiest things on our planet. It is content without context. Give me an example. I remember when I was serving at Table on Dell. I went with a, a, a group down to the motels. We we're going to do a prayer walk around the motels. And I have to confess something to you today. As I walked around those motels on Delk Road, motels where pimps control women, motels where men go to pay for sex, as I walked around those motels, I had this small fear in me that someone would drive by and see me at one of these motels and have no idea why I was there. And then they would be talking to someone one day and say, oh, guess who I saw at the CD motel down on Delk Road? Yeah, Pastor Jared. Now hear me, everything they said is true. I was there, right? I, I was at the CD motel on Delk Road. But it's also a half-truth. Because I don't know why I was there. Just things like that can be used to tear people down, right? I mean, I'm not saying Pastor Jerry was up to no good, but, right? It's innuendo. It's doegging someone. And the church is full of doegs. I mean, you would think the church would be the last place any doeg would want to go. But it seems to be the, one of the most popular places for doegs to congregate. I know this because I grew up in church. I have known so many doegs in my life. Uh, my dad's here this morning. By the way, my parents just moved down here, and so they'll be joining our church from now on, so we're happy to have them there. But years ago, my dad's name was being thrown around all over the local media, local newspapers, CNN, and ESPN. Um, I never thought my dad would be mentioned on ESPN, but uh, he, was, he was. He was a senior pastor of one of the largest United Methodist churches in the U.S. And during his time at that church, he helped start a private school, which is now one of the largest private schools in the Methodist church, if not the largest. And um, the private school, it grew and it grew and it grew. And eventually, the, the school board decided they no longer wanted answers to the church. They wanted to be independent. And so they went to my dad, and my dad uh, very politely said, uh, no, uh, you are a ministry of the church. Uh, the school board will, will remain uh, answerable to the church. And that did not sit well with the school board. Uh, one of the people on the school board happened to be a Hall of Fame Major League Baseball player. And uh, it's probably safe to say he had never been told no a day in his life. This is probably the first time he ever heard the word no. He didn't take it so well. So he was all over CNN, ESPN, bad mouthing my dad. But it wasn't just him. Right? Rumors began to swirl around the church. One of those rumors was that my dad had a big yacht on Lake Lanier, and that's where his mistress lived. Now, here's the thing. There was some truth in that statement. My dad did have a boat on Lake Lanier, but it was a 1970s houseboat. It is true that someone was living on the boat, though. That is true. But it wasn't a mistress. It was me. I was living on the boat, all right? <laughs> so I was a little offended when they said I'm uh, the mistress. But, uh, but someone had taken a kernel of truth and used it to try to tear down my father, the school, and the church. All glory to God, it did not work. But churches are full of goings, gossipers, slanderers, liars. We do it to advance ourselves. We do it to protect ourselves. We do it to tear down others, to make ourselves feel better. I see it all the time, right? If I'm miserable, then I'm going to just make sure that everyone's miserable with me, right? After all, misery loves company. 
But I just want to ask, why can't you just be miserable by yourself, right? Just go over there, be miserable all you want to be, but by yourself, right? Just stay away from us. But no, that's not how we behave. We want to bring everyone down to our level. We see it all the time when talking about personal sin, right? Why deal with my personal sin when I know for a fact the guy next to me is sinning way more than I am? Doegs in church love to talk about other people's sins, but not their own. So too often, church, we are doeg, telling half-truths, sharing content without context, slandering people. But I want you to see how David responded to this. Flip over to Psalm 52. As many, as you, as many of you know, we, we preach and practice authenticity here at the Gathering Church. We want you to be honest about what you feel. We want you to be honest about where you are in your life. We want you to be honest about your doubts and your questions about your faith. Right? And this is one of the reasons I love the book of Psalms. We're going to read Psalm 52 in a second. But, but in the book of Psalms, we see David being completely honest and authentic. Right? At times, David is ticked off. At times, he's afraid. At times, he's broken. But he always comes back to lo uh, looking to God and placing his trust in him. And so David wrote a lot of these psalms in response to what was happening to him. And so Psalm 52 was written in response to what Doeg did. And I want to read this from uh, the Message Bible. And for those that don't know, the Message Bible is a paraphrase. It's not a true translation. And so while I wouldn't want you to use it as your primary source, it is nice just to have the Message Bible on the, on, on the side. Uh, when you're reading certain things, go to the Message Bible. It puts it in modern language, so it helps you kind of understand better what's happening. But I want to read it from the Message because it helps us understand just the venom that David was spitting at Doeg. So look at Psalm 52 from the Message. It says, Why do you brag of evil, big man? God's mercy carries the day. You scheme catastrophe. Your tongue cuts razor sharp artisan and lies. You love evil more than good. You call black white. You love malicious gossip, you foul mouth. God will tear you limb from limb, sweep you up and throw you out, put you up, uh, pull you up by the roots from the land of life. Good people will watch and worship. They'll laugh in relief. Big man bet on the wrong horse, trusted in big money, made his living from catastrophe. Now hear this part again. You scheme catastrophe. Your tongue cuts razor sharp. Artisan and lies. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Proverbs 12.18 says, Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. You see, our tongues, church, our tongues, the words we speak, have great power. The words we speak or the words we don't speak can bring life or they can bring death. Our words are like swords. We can use them as a sort of slander or we can use them as a sort of life. And when we use them as a sort of slander, they not only hurt and kill others, they hurt and kill us as well. Because here's the thing. I don't know any happy gossipers. Do you? Think of the gossips you know. Are they happy? I don't know any happy slanderers. 
I mean, the very act of gossiping, the very act of slandering someone is born out of an unhealthy place. And we're going to touch on that in a moment. But when we choose to be doeg, we are bringing death into our lives and the lives of others. After Doeg told Saul what he saw, Saul immediately sent for Ahimelech and his family. He then told Doeg to go kill them all. So that day, Doeg, all by himself, killed 85 priests and all of their families, including the children. He then killed all their cattle, their donkeys, their sheep, and their goats. You see, people died because of Doeg's words. That's why David wrote, God will tear you limb from limb, sweep you up and throw you out, pull you up by the roots from the land of life. God, uh, good people will watch and worship. They'll laugh in relief. Big man bent on the wrong horse, trusted in big money, made his living from catastrophe. See, doe-egging might work for you in the short term, but you will be held to account eventually. In Matthew 12, 36, Jesus said, and I tell you this. You must give an account on Judgment Day for every idle word you speak. Now, hear me, that's a word of warning for any of us who, are, who enjoy doe-egging people, right? Eventually, it is going to catch up with you. But it's also a word of encouragement for anyone who's had, had an encounter with a doe-egg. Eventually, it's going to catch up with them. Romans 1.18 says, But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. God is going to deal with it. While the wicked might prosper here on earth, God is going to deal with it. For all we know, Doeg got away with his slander. But at some point, he had to stand before God himself and answer to his slander. And I promise you, God dealt with it. Unfortunately, Doegs do get away with it often. Right? Often, dough eggs are not held accountable here on earth. But again, we believe God has the final word. That's why David ended Psalm 52 the way he did. Look at it. Starting in verse 8. David wrote, And I'm an olive tree, growing green in God's house. I trusted in the generous mercy of God then and now. I thank you always that you went into action. And I'll stay right here. Your good name, my hope, in company with your faithful friends. He said, I'm an olive tree growing green in God's house. That is where we are meant to be planted, church, in God's house. We are, we are not meant to be planted in the pursuit of wealth. We aren't meant to be planted in the pursuit of fame. We aren't meant to be planted in the pursuit of self-promotion. We are meant to plant ourselves in God's house, in his presence, in his pursuits. I am an olive tree growing green in God's house. Why are we growing green? Because we trust in the generous mercy of God then and now. When I am planted in God's house, when I'm trusting in his generous mercy, I have no interest in speaking anything but life. I'm no longer interested in wielding the sword of slander. I only want to wield the sword of life no matter what. And if, you, if you're the one being slandered, the call is the same for you. Plant yourself in God's house. Trust in his generous mercy. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said in Matthew 5, You have heard that it was said, Eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. 
Everyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Now, a lot of people struggle with how to turn the other cheek. How do we do that? This is how. You plant yourself in the house of God. It governs what you speak, and it governs how you respond to words spoken. And again, in Jesus Christ, we have the ultimate example, right? Because it was slander, it was innuendo, it was lies that led Jesus to the cross. But how did Jesus respond? Jesus did not return slander with slander. Jesus did not return innuendo with innuendo. Jesus did not return lies with lies. He planted himself in the house of God, and he stayed focused on being faithful to his heavenly Father. He could have called down an army of angels to smite the ones slandering him, but he didn't do it. He planted himself in the house of God and knew that his father would deal with the slanderers. Where are you planted, church? Are you planted in the pursuit of wealth, in the pursuit of popularity? In the pursuit of covering your own rear end, like Doeg? Are you joining in with the slanderous ones? Or are you standing strong with the one who brings truth and life? Are you wielding the sword of slander? Or are you wielding the sword of life? Think about your past week at the office. Think about your past week in school. Which sword did you wield? Did you join in with the gossip? Or did you just sit back quietly while the gossip went on? Or did you wield the sword of life, the truth? See, some of you have been bringing death into someone's life with the words you're speaking. Some of you are allowing others to bring death into the life of people through the words they're speaking. Some of you are bringing death into your own life with the words you're speaking. Again, you've joined in with the gospelers at the officer school, right? You've believed content without knowing the context. If that's you today, repent. Repent. It's a word we don't hear much in church anymore, but I'm going to say it again. Repent. Church, we are called to daily repentance. We are called to repent and to plant ourselves in God's house to speak only what he wants us to speak, to speak only words that draw people to Jesus and to rebuke any lies that we hear. I said it last week, Christians have become too cowardly. We don't rebuke lies anymore. That's you today. Repent. But if you are the victim of slander, if you're the victim of innuendo today, I want you to plant yourself in God's house. I want you to give him, give Jesus your hurt, give Jesus your frustration, give Jesus your anger, and ask him to help you do the same thing he did. Turn the other cheek. So there's two responses for you today. In a moment, I'm going to pray, and as I pray, I invite you to come and kneel on these pillows or stand down front and do one of two things. For the dough eggs in the room today, call you to repentance. If you know you've been spreading lies, if you have thrown someone under the bus, if you have gossiped, if you've shared half-truths, you need to repent today. Doeg, you are called to repent. 
or for those who are having to deal with a doeg, your response is to pray for them and to ask for the power to forgive them. Some of you have been, have been incredibly hurt by a lie. Some of you have been incredibly hurt by innuendo or by gossip, and you're carrying this giant chip on your shoulder. You're bitter, you're angry, you're hurt. Today is the day for you to forgive and move towards healing. Hear me, I want you to hear me. Nothing, absolutely nothing may change other than your heart. That's all that matters. So come and pray for your doing and for the strength to forgive him or her. Where are you planted, church? Where are you planted? Are you planted in the house of God? Are you planted in the house of God? I'm going to pray. Then I'll invite you to come. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, I thank you that as you hung on the cross, you showed us how to handle slander and innuendo and half-truths. You showed us what it meant to be faithful regardless of what's happening around us. Regardless of the dough eggs in our lives, we are still called to be faithful. And in you, Jesus Christ, you gave us the example. And, and by sending the Holy Spirit to us, you gave us the power to do it like you did it. So, Lord, maybe there are some folks in this room today who know, yeah, this past week, this past month, I've, I've been a pretty bad dough egg. I've joined in with the gossip. I shared some stuff about somebody, but I didn't even know if it was the full truth or not. I slandered somebody. I shared content without context. Maybe there's someone in this room today who knows they were doing. So, Lord, I pray right now they would have the humility and the strength to come forward and just repent. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I am so sorry. I, I repent of this sin, and I ask you to forgive me. And they would just re re uh, receive that forgiveness today. And they would decide today, I'm going to plant myself in the house of God so that no matter what I speak, it is words of life. Maybe there's some folks here today who are just stirred up some emotions for them. Because maybe this past week or maybe for the past 15 years, they've been dealing with lies and innuendo, half-truths. Maybe something happened to them 15 years ago they have never been able to, to lay down. They've never been able to forgive that person who, who talked behind their back. So maybe today we recognize a doeg in our life. Today we need to come down front and we need to pray for them. And we need to forgive them. Lord, that's not easy. But that's why you gave us your Holy Spirit. So that we could do impossible things in your name. And so, Lord, today, whether we are a doeg or we need to forgive a doeg, draw us to these pillows, draw us to you, and hear our prayers. I pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.